Hey, you know, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to the 27th episode of the First and Foremost Podcast. I'm Jimmy Covington. And I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. What's going on? Man, bro, fresh fresh out of work, my guy. How you, what, you, what you got going? Man, uh, just been helping my sister a little bit with her school work. So, you know, just trying to help out a little bit when I can. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Man, let's go ahead and get to it, man. We got some interesting topics today. Uh, Quinn, last Saturday was the opening week of SEC football. I know it's something that we've all been waiting on, Quinn. So let's get to it. What are your top three takeaways from week one of SEC games? Yes, sir. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, SEC was back last week. Uh, it was exciting uh, for the most part. I think first you have to look at the LSU Mississippi State game. Uh, that was a that was kind of a shocker for me. Mississippi State looked really good. Uh, LSU, you do have to take into account they returned the fewest starters ever from a national championship team, including Derek Stingley, who was out. Uh, and you know they just didn't really have any chemistry or rhythm. Uh, and Mississippi State's offense look good. Uh, and did did you want me going to give all three or just get one? I, one okay. Um, second, I got Bama no, no longer has Tua, but they definitely still have dynamic weapons. Uh, Jalen Wallace, easily a first round talent at receiver this year. Uh, Najee Harris is a first round talent at running back. Devontae Smith is explosive, uh, so definitely still expect Alabama to be in the national championship picture this year. Uh, and I think last but certainly not least, uh, my last takeaway probably has to be uh, I think we should permanently moving forward, which is something Nick Saban also said, we should have a permanent 10-game uh, SEC schedule because I feel that this season, you know, is going to truly show who the champion is. We don't have any – well, there's still some cupcake games. We still got Arkansas and Vandy. But other than that, you know, you don't have a Tennessee Tech coming in and you beating them by 70. Uh, so, <laughs> you don't have that going on anymore. So, other than that, man, the quality was great. What did you think? My first takeaway, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, everybody knows I'm a Florida Gators fan. So, for my first takeaway, I, I'm going to let you know, Kyle Trask should be a Heisman contender. He looked good. Listen, he was 30 of 42 for 416 yards, six touchdowns, and had a quarterback rating of 201. The man was – he looked poised in the pocket. He hit 11 different receivers. He looked in total control of the offense, just like he did last year. You know, Kyle Trask is a big guy, a 6'5", 239. He's not really fast, uh, but he can run the ball if he needs to. He's more of a powerful runner. But I just like liked the way he controls and commands the offense. Uh, he delivers, you know, strikes down the field. Uh, he's good in the intermediate game. He can make all the throws. And, you know, with numbers like that, you know, and they returned a lot of guys from last year's team. You know, Kyle Pitts, who's the best tight end in college football, Got Jacob Copeland, Copeland, Copeland I'm sorry. Trayvon Grimes, uh, Kadarius Tony is back healthy. 
You got Damian Pierce. You got other running backs. The offensive line is getting a lot better. So, Trash, you know, could put up Joe Burrow type numbers. I'm, you know, I'm not saying the 5,400 yards and 60 touchdowns, but I'm, I'm thinking at least, you know, 45, maybe close to 5,000 pass yards with that offense. Uh, but you know, like I said, my first take with Kyle Trash should be a Heisman contender. For takeaway number two, uh, Mike Leach's offense could really work in the SEC. Uh, you know, he's been in the Big, tw- he's been in the Big Twelve. You know, he's been in the Pac-10. Uh, and his offense has pretty much always worked there. Uh, they had 632 total yards, 623 passing yards against the defending champs. Uh, he was 8 of 13 on third down, uh, which is, you know, in that offense, you don't really get many third down opportunities. Uh, and, you know, in the last eight, in his first 18 seasons of coaching, he's only had three losing records. So that show goes to show that it does actually work. And let me give you a little stat right here. The least amount of passing yards this team has averaged since 2012 was 330 per game. Man, that's ridiculous. So this letting you know he liked to sling the rock around. But you know, I'm you know, I'm surprised it worked the way it did. I mean, this is the SEC. These are the top caliber athletes in the country. And like you said, they are missing Derek Stingley, and they pretty much lost just about the majority of the starters from last year's team. But I still didn't expect them to dominate like that through the air. Uh, and my last takeaway is from the same game, but you know, LSU might not be that good this year. I mean, you said oh, they lost. No, no. You said you know you you said they lost seventeen starters. Uh, then they lost Jamar Chase. <laughs> uh, you know, they lost Vincent, Kerry Vincent, and Shelvin. They all opted out too. They were thinking about playing, but they decided to opt out. So there's three more people. Then they started extremely slow. Uh, the defense, especially defensive backs, they look pitiful. Uh, you know, Jacoby Stevens before the game said something about the said about the honey badger. Uh, I think it was something on LSU's Twitter page, and, and I saw you tweet it. It was like uh, that was that was. <laughs> That was a little too early. <laughs> I don't know who said that was cool. <laughs> Man, it looked ugly, but you know they could be in some serious trouble. Uh, on the seventeenth of October, they play at Florida, and on the thirty-first, they play at Auburn. They play versus Alabama on November, and they play at Texas A&M two weeks after that. So that could be that could very easily be four losses right there. So you looking at you looking at possibly a five and five record, <laughs> and that's a far. This definitely it's a rebuilding year for LSU, and it's definitely a far cry from from the team they had last year. So you know oh, they yeah. could they they could definitely be in some trouble. Yeah, and I like I haven't gotten to look at their full schedule yet, but yeah, like you just said, that's four losses, man, and you only got ten games. But luckily, I mean, all teams gonna be in bowl games, but LSU they definitely shouldn't be in the national championship picture. Oh, no. So it's over with now. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, let's move on, Quinn. Uh, you know, last two couple weeks we've been playing a three-word game with NFL teams uh, during week one. Excuse me, in week two. Uh, this week we're doing a little different. It's going to be with SEC teams. Uh, so the first game I got for you, Quinn, is Alabama at Mizzou. What do you got? What's your three words for that? Yes, sir. Uh, I got old St. Nick. Uh, Nick Saban, typical Nick Saban. They play Mizzou. I mean, Nick Sa- I mean, Alabama did what they were supposed to do. Nick Saban's never lost a season opener at Alabama. Uh, Mizzou's rebuilding with a brand-new head coach. 
So don't really expect too much out of them this year. Uh, the rich are still rich. Like I said earlier, Bama still has plenty of talent. Uh, are they perfect? No. But uh, they did allow Mizzou to score 13 in the fourth quarter. So uh, they had a little slippage there, and they had a lot of just sloppy penalties. Uh, but other than that, I, I expect Bama to be right there at the top or towards the top at the end of the year. So next – Oh, uh, you got Florida and Ole Miss. Oh, what was your three? Oh, I, I was gonna give you. I was gonna give you mine. I was gonna let you get go ahead and get yours out. Now I'm gonna go ahead, go ahead with mine. Oh, okay, all right. So what you do? What you say? So what you got for Florida and Ole Miss? I got sorry, Lane Kiffin. Uh, Florida spoiled his home day de- debut uh, as Ole Miss's head coach. Uh, which, I mean, is expected. He has a brand-new coaching staff, didn't have any spring practice. Uh, that team is really young. Uh, but they did manage to score 35 points against Florida, and they also had 613 yards of offense themselves. Uh, but looking at it on Florida's side, you mentioned it. Kyle Pitts is a mismatch. I mean, he's a nightmare, man. He had four touchdowns. That's ridiculous. Baller. All right, up next, you got the University of Georgia at Arkansas. Yep, so Georgia and Arkansas, I got they need answers. Uh, Georgia, once again, people are expecting them to be in a national championship picture. Currently, Stetson Bennett stepped up and played a good second half against Arkansas. But is that sustainable? JT Daniels has yet to be cleared to play with a knee injury. Uh, so as of now, they're, they're, you know, riding their hopes on the back of Stetson Bennett. So next, you got Mississippi State at LSU. Yep. So we've touched on this one already, but, you know, I got aired out. Mike Leach, the air raid offense, I mean, they, they threw the air out of the ball pretty much. Uh, they're going to be a problem for elite teams. Definitely don't be surprised if they upset some more big teams uh, this season. And, you know, like I just said, LSU clearly isn't a contender this year. So. All right. You got Kentucky at Auburn. Yep. So looking at them, I got Seth and Bo. Bo Nix, I mean, he did it all for Auburn Saturday, both through the air and on the ground. He was the leading rusher also. Uh, him and leading receiver Seth Williams looked good. Uh, that connected on two touchdown passes. They had no running game. Uh, Kentucky, they actually have good line talent, but they just have no skill players. So. Yeah, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. That was actually a competitive game. I got stuck in mud. Uh, Texas A&M every year have high expectations. They just Never seem to meet them. They barely beat a Vanderbilt team who's only won 10 conference games in the last six years. Uh, and Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, he's a senior now, and he's just never taken that next step. So, All right. Lastly, we have University of Tennessee at South Carolina. Yes, sir. I got to keep it going. That's seven wins in a row going back to last year. Uh, it's actually the first season opening win under Coach Pruitt. 
Uh, first year we got blown out by West Virginia. And of course, last year we had the embarrassment against Georgia State. Uh, but the team to me, they look more composed in a tight game down the stretch. You know, in the past, in moments like that, the team usually unravels. Uh, JG played well, he spread the ball around. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but we'll take it. Uh, All right. So for, for Bam and Mizzou, I have easy money tied. You know, like you said, they did what they were supposed to do, 38-19. They were 9-14 on third down, 414 total yards, and they only allowed 69 rush yards. A t- typical Bama, typical Nick Saban, easy dub. For Florida and Ole Miss, I have offenses were prolific. Uh, Florida, 642 total yards, 51 points. Ole Miss, uh, 613 total yards, 35 points. Both teams had over 440 rushing yards and over 150 rush yards. I think that that's probably most offense you get out of two SEC teams uh, this year in a single game. I don't think you'll get that. Unheard against. of, man. So it, it was it was nice to watch. You know, you know, you know. I love defense, and that, that hurt me a little bit. But uh, seeing those points was, you know, finally seeing some SEC football. So I can't complain. UGA at Arkansas. I I have it's Florida's division. They were trailing seven to five at halftime before scoring 22 straight in the third quarter with Stetson Bennett. Uh, I don't think he can do that again. Uh, they were 6-20 on third down. They had 12 penalties. Listen, Georgia looked sloppy. They didn't look good at all. So, Oh, real quick. You know Stetson Bennett, he started at Georgia, went Juco for a year, and now is back at Georgia. <laughs> and went from third string to now starting. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. For next, a Mississippi State LSU, I have this is pandemonium. Uh, like I don't think nobody, <laughs> I don't think nobody, I don't think nobody predicted them to win. Uh, threw the ball sixty times. Uh, like I said, six hundred twenty-three passing yards. Uh, you know, broke Dak Prescott's passing record. Uh, KJ Costello. So, you know, that, okay, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky at Auburn. I got bulk and ball, uh, 267 total yards for the game. Three touchdowns that all came in the second half, and he scored twice in the fourth quarter. Uh, Bo Nick started as a true freshman last year, uh, made some, had some great games, made some nice plays all season long, and it looked like he's carried that over into this season. For Vandy at Texas A&M, I have entirely too close. Uh, Texas A&M had eight penalties and three turnovers, and they lost the time of possession battle by almost eight minutes. And they had, but despite having 82 more rush yards, they still lost the time of possession battle. Uh, first, you know, Vandy has been the doormat of the ACC in terms of in, in football for forever, for as long as I can remember. And uh, Texas A&M, like you said, is always one of those teams that has a lot of talent but can never seem to really put it together. So I was surprised by that one. And lastly, uh, for University of Tennessee at South Carolina, I have good win, UT. Like you said, seventh straight win versus South Carolina. But they did go one of twelve on one of twelve on third down. Uh, they oh, had three hundred. Yeah. yeah, they had three hundred ninety-four total yards. Had no turnovers, but they lost the time of possession battle by nine minutes. Usually, when you use the time of possession battle like that, it's hard to get a W. But UT pulled it out, and that's really the automatics. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of the the thing with them was they were getting a lot of explosive plays, so. They had 31 points, but they weren't getting really any long sustained drives. So 
that's going to be concerning, especially against the more elite teams. All right, but let's move on. We're moving on to some professional football here. Uh, Quinn, yes, what, are your, what are your top two takeaways from week three of the NFL season? Yep, so two takeaways I got. Josh Allen, got to show him some love, my guy, early MVP candidate. He already has 1,000 yards. He's completed 71% of his passes, 10 touchdowns to only one interception, and he's added two rushing touchdowns, and that's all in only three games. So definitely keep an eye on him in the Bills this season. Second takeaway, don't forget about Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz is looking like a disaster in Philly right now. Some people are already calling for Jalen Hurts, their quarterback. So don't be surprised if by midseason, if things don't get right in Philly, if we see Jalen Hurts at the helm, what you got? Man, for my top takeaway is uh, New Orleans defense is struggling. They lost 37 to 30 to Green Bay on the night without Devontae Adams. They gave him 146 receiving yards to Allen Lazard. And uh, Aaron Jones had only had 86 total yards. You figure if Green Bay scoring 37, either Devontae Adams is balling out or Aaron Jones is balling out. And Devontae Adams wasn't there. And like I said, Aaron Jones didn't really ball out. So, you know, how you give up 37 points to Green Bay without those without those guys really <laughs> balling is beyond me. Listen, they, Alan only, they only have one intercept. Despite having, uh, you know, a lot of talent in the back end, they only have one interception this year. You know, I can name some of the guys. I can name the starters pretty much. Marshawn Lattimore, who's one of the top 15 corners in the league. Janoris Jenkins, who's been a good corner his entire career. You know, you got Marcus Williams at free safety. You got Malcolm Jenkins. And then you, you got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who gets significant time too. So those are all talented guys. So there's no reason why they should be struggling like that, you know, especially on the back end. Giving up 31 points a game so far. I've given up 75 first downs, 48% on third down conversions, and uh, 256, 252 passing yards a game, and 100 rush yards a game. <coughs> and if you know, last year, one thing New Orleans didn't let people do, that was run the football last year. And, you know, they're giving up 100 yards a game this year. So that's something to look at. And they, but they have played some some good quarterbacks so far this year. They played Tom Brady in week one. They played Derek Carr, who was a good quarterback in week two. And they played Aaron Rodgers uh, Sunday, who's looking like a man possessed. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration, but you expect the defense to step up more than that. And for my second second takeaway, I have Carson Wentz is in trouble. The Eagles are 0 2 1 so far. Uh, Wentz completing under 60% of his passes. Only 5.6 yards per pass attempt. That's terrible. Three touchdowns, six interceptions, a, a QBR of 35 and a half. Average is 50. <laughs> he's at 35 and a half. Uh, he's been sacked 11 times. You know, the offensive line has been hurt. You know, some of his receiving weapons have been out, which is pretty much normal at this point. So, you know, he's in trouble. Like you said, if he continues to struggle, I, I could definitely see, you know, Doug Peterson going Jalen Hurst's way. I don't think they drafted him in the second round for no reason. You don't spend that kind of draft capital on the quarterback if you don't want him to play. Oh, yeah. A lot of people question that draft pick, but now, you know, they're starting to see why they made that pick. Because so. I, I was one of those guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, before this year, Carson Wentz, he had that MVP year where he blew out his knee at the end of the year. But, I mean, other than that, he really hasn't, been consistent so 
But listen, moving on here to our last topic of the day. Uh, the NBA Finals have been set. It'll be the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Miami Heat uh, starting tonight in about 25 minutes. Uh, Quinn, give us a little preview and give me who you got. How, how many games are they going to win in? Yes, sir. It's go time. So, uh, man, this is a very intriguing matchup. I actually really like the matchup between these two teams. Uh, very different styles, I must say. Uh, you know, you got one team whose offense, the Miami Heat, you know, is predicated on movement, off-ball movement. Uh, they don't really rely on one score. You know, Jimmy Butler is technically the go-to guy. But, you know, they've shown all season and even in the playoffs, any guy can get hot on any given night. I mean, you know, look at Tyler Hero putting up 37. Uh, and, you know, the Lakers, on the other hand, you know, everything goes through LeBron, and it's either going to end with him or AD. Uh, and whatever somebody else gets is set up off what they do. Uh, but, you know, I think the Heat, that unpredictability is going to work a little bit in their, in their favor. Uh, so I think, you know, they did go a little, just a little bit cold from three-point range against the Celtics last round. Uh, but if they can get hotter game or two this round uh, in the finals, we can see this round, like you said, easily go six games. Uh, but ultimately, comparing the teams, I don't think that he have enough size, especially depth. Uh, I really love Bam Adebayo, but especially when the Lakers go with a two-big lineup, uh, who's going to defend both JaVale or Dwight and AD? Uh, especially on the glass. So going based off that, I don't think Jimmy Butler will be able to completely contain LeBron. He will give him some fits. I mean, that's that's how Jimmy Butler made his name in his Chicago years, giving, giving LeBron some problems in Cleveland. But I'm going to go Lakers in, in six. All right, let me listen. Both teams, you know, went 15-3 throughout the postseason. Uh, both teams look dominant, you know. You know, I, I got to go with L.A. and six here. Uh, you know, Bron and A.D. are the two best players in this series by far, and typically that's enough to get it done. You know, I have questions about who's going to be the third guy and is going to step up because, you know, every night with the Lakers is somebody different. You know, lately it's been Rondo. You know, could be Kuz, could be KCP, or it could be Alex Caruso. You know, who knows? But I think just with the star power of Bron and AD, that should be enough to get it done. Uh, to combine this postseason, they're averaging 55 and a half points a game, nearly 20 rebounds, <laughs> 13 assists, and four, almost five combined blocks and steals per game. So those two guys are getting it done. They're doing a lot. And like Shaq said, you know, when you have a dynamic duo, they can't – one of them can't have an off night. So I think to beat Miami, they can't have an off night, you know. And if when you look at Miami, like you said – they have six players averaging at least 11 points a game. Uh, Dragic is leading the way, averaging almost 21. Jimmy Butler is slightly behind him, followed by Bam and Tyler Harrow. You know, all those guys, you know, are shooting. Excuse me. Uh, those are six players that are shooting at least 35% from three. So, like, you know, you know that team can shoot the ball. You know, like, like to pass the ball, pin down screens, you know, off ball screens, you know, motion, all of it. The way they play offense is beautiful, and I think it gives teams fits. You know, if we'll look at them defensively, they got a lot of versatile defenders. You know, they got Jimmy Butler, you know, 
Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo, Andre Iguodala off the bench, you know, Derrick Jones Jr. at times. So they got a lot of versatile defenders that you could possibly throw at LeBron. But like you mentioned, uh, the bigs is going to be a problem because the only bigs that are really playing are Bam Adebayo and Kelly Olenek is playing a little bit. I don't think you really want Kenny Olenek getting significant minutes in the NBA Finals against, you know, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I like the way Jay Crowder plays, but Jay Crowder can't guard Anthony Davis. He's like, what, 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you want to put Bam on Anthony Davis because then, you know, you got a mismatch with center with a center and Jay Crowder in terms of rebounding. So I think that's going to be a problem. You know, I think where they have the advantage is the point guard situation. Uh, you know, they got Goran Dragic, and Goran Dragic has been balling out, uh, especially the last couple of series. Uh, you know, like I said, averaging 20.9 points a game, shooting 45% from the field, 36% from three. So, you know, you know, you never know who's going to lead that team in scoring. I think that's the beauty of how they play. You know, any guy can have a hot night. And uh, we know Jimmy Butler, you know, if the games are close – uh, then I'll be a little more concerned because we know what Jimmy Butler can do uh, when when it's clutch time. But then we also know what Bron and AD can do. So, you know, I, that's going to be a very intriguing series. I can't wait to watch the game in 20 minutes. But like I said, I got LA in six. Yeah, and I'm going to go two more quick things. One, if the Heat want any chance to win, uh, Jimmy Butler's going to have to be more aggressive offensively this series. Uh, I say he's going to have to average somewhere around like 20, 24 to 27 points a game for them to win. Uh, and two, I just got the notification Dwight Howard is starting at center tonight uh, in game one. So there you have it. And I think that's going to be an interesting matchup, uh, kind of the way they utilized him and threw him as a kind of – enforcer to kind of wear down Jokic last round if they kind of use him in that role again on Bam out of bio. So. I do want to mention that if the Heat, I think that if the Heat going to have a chance, you know, they're going to have to every single night, either Braun, they're going to have to force Braun to win the game by himself or either AD to win the game by himself every single night. You're going to have to try your best to take at least one of those guys out. Because I don't think LA mm-hmm. wants to rely on just one guy to win the game, folks. Like, you got to take at least one of them out every night. It don't got to be the same guy every night, but you got to take out at least one. Or the formula, the 04 Pistons when they played the Lakers, Kobe and Shaq got theirs. Nobody else averaged more than eight points a game that series. So it could work. It could work. Listen, that's all we got for y'all tonight. This is a quicker show than what than you know what we normally have. Uh, we're trying to get ready for the game here in 18 minutes. Uh, oh, I want to thank yeah. y'all. Want to thank y'all for continuing to support us and rocking with us. You know, throughout everything, please give us some feedback, interact with us. You know, we want to talk to y'all more. Uh, and this episode 27, I'm Jimmy Covington, and I am the one and only Quinn Douglas. All right, thank y'all. We out. Peace.